the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Way of Grace, we continue our series, Promoting Jesus God's Way. It is a look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We're in Psalm 33 today. Join us. co-agent in creation and the co-author of divine revelation. That is a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. That is what we're looking at today from the eyes of the psalmist in chapter 33 of Psalms, verses 1 through 9. The person and work of the Holy Spirit, co-agent and author. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jesse Gastan. If you will, turn back in your Bibles to Psalm 33 as we take a second consideration upon this great doctrine of the Word of God, essential to our life and salvation, and that is the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The person and work of the Holy Spirit, part two, Psalm 33, verses one through nine, lay out eloquently an aspect of his work that I now want to consider uh, more fully with you as we deal with perhaps about seven engagements around his character and around his attributes and around his essential work. We'll see how it goes. We left off last time declaring and demonstrating the personhood of the Holy Spirit, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, his real and substantial personhood, his self-identifying, indexing expression of personal and self-consciousness. You guys remember that. The book of Acts 13 lays out for us how that in very few occasions in the Word of God does the Spirit of God speak in the first person. But there it lets us know that he is fully aware of his own individuality, his own personhood in distinction to the Father and in distinction to the Spirit. Now, we pressed that home at length last week, that within the mystery of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are never to confound their persons and make the Holy Spirit to be also the Son of God or God the Father, for nothing in the Word of God would justify or merit that conclusion. That would be lazy exegesis. It would be obvious eisegesis, and it would create confusion not only in the Godhead, but in your own theological studies. If you don't recognize the distinction between the three and yet a perfect unity of nature among them all, they bear the attributes of God individually and collectively. You will find everywhere it is spoken of as God the Father being the creator. The Son is also the creator. And the Spirit of God is also the creator. Wherever you see God the Father as the main providential source in the life of the universe, 
you'll find that the Son is the source of the universe and that the Holy Ghost is the source of the universe. What we have discovered by submitting ourselves to the Word of God for years is the beautiful inner Trinitarian cooperation, felicity, union, harmony, and joy of all three persons, which are revealed to us to help us understand what true communion is all about. There is no conflict between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are distinct, but they are one. The Bible says they agree in one, and they are one in all that they do. At no time will the Father have a will that is in contradistinction or averse to the Son. At no time will the Son ever say or do anything that would violate or stand in stark contradiction of the Father. At no time will the Holy Ghost ever just launch out and do his own thing. They are so unified in their persons that when you think about the one, you must necessarily think about the other. When you think about the glories of God in the person of Christ, you must necessarily think about his daddy. When you think about the work of the Holy Ghost, please understand this is where we're going as we work our way deeper into his offices. Never assert or assign to the Holy Ghost this crazy notion of some wild-eyed sort of vagabond that goes around doing whatever he wants to, contrary to the character and nature and attribute of the Father and the Son. Never attribute to the Holy Ghost your own silly notions of hyper-mystical chaos and confusion and Babylonian and pagan expressions of worship that you can't explain. Never do that to the third person. He's a person, and he will never operate contrary to the attributes of the second person or the first person. And according to the Word of God, God is what? He's love. And love, love never behaves itself unseemly. See it? So the Holy Spirit is never to be attributed as the one taking you up and throwing you across the room. And by the time you wake up, your shoes are over here, your dress is over here, your slacks is over here, and calling it the work of the Holy Ghost. Nothing could be further from the truth. You got time for me today? And so as we work into this, I'm getting ready to take you into the text so that you can deal with it more propositionally because we really do believe the word of God is sufficient in all matters of doctrine and truth. When rightly divided, we can declare to you plainly what the word of God says about God, his person and his work. The objective of the spirit of God is to actually bring into reality everything that God, the father and God, the son has purpose. His role and function, you might as well get that. When we talk about the gospel, we say that the gospel is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel in a nutshell. You get the gospel wrong, you get God wrong. You get God wrong, you get salvation wrong. You get salvation wrong, you miss glory. When we say the gospel, we are saying the person and work of Jesus Christ. He becomes for us the one whom God has made preeminent over everything by which we know the father, but we only know the father through the son. And we only know the son by the spirit of the living God. And so as we move into our second consideration, here's the title of our message today. The person and work of the Holy Spirit of God, his co-agency and his co-authorship. There are four major categories by which we can define 
the work of the Spirit of God. And there are a number of sub- subcategories under that. But four major categories, you can write them down if you want to. I've been teaching my men and some of our ladies know how to be what we call expository what? We're not lazy listeners. We don't come to church to be tickled, made to feel good. We come to church to hear from God. Let him that has ears hear what the spirit has to say to the church. And so today we want to contemplate a little bit more deeply who he is because he is to be known. Four areas, four functions, four roles of the spirit of God. You can write them down. The first is called agency. We'll deal with that briefly. What is an agent? He is a person who operates on the behalf of an institution or a group of people in order to affect the will of that institution or that group. The spirit of God is what we call the operational agent of the three persons. He is a glorious agent among the three. You won't find the two anywhere where the third one is not there. His role is agency. We'll see that in a moment. His second role is authorship. That will be what we will press on today. He is the immediate presence and producer of all things generated. That is wherever God's will is decreed and wherever the son has articulated God's will, the spirit of God is the one to bring to pass or to produce the articulation of the son, since he is the word of God and the decree of the father. The father decrees, the son articulates, and the spirit brings to pass, or if you will, administrates, or if you will, expresses that will articulated by the son of the living God. How many of you guys are following me so far? That's exactly what he does. He he administrates, he brings to pass, he expresses the articulations of the son. You have that in your outline. Uh, Thirdly, The Spirit of God is that great apostle who is sent by Christ, Christ being the ultimate apostle sent by the Father. And in his apostleship, the role of the Spirit of God is to take everything that Jesus is and Jesus says and make it a reality in our lives so that he never, ever is engaged in an independent, autonomous work so that he shapes you into something that doesn't look like Jesus. See, an apostle has one role to execute as a missionary and emissary of his authority, exactly what his authority says. And the Holy Ghost is the grand, third, and final, and immediate apostle who persuades us of everything glorious about Christ. When we get into that text, you'll see that it has more to to do than just with what you know. It has everything to do with who you are. And he will glorify me. For he will take the things of mine and show them to you. That's his role as the great apostle. We don't even know God in the saving mercy and pardoning grace of Jesus Christ apart from the spirit of God. And fourthly, he will be proven to be an advocate, an advocate. What is an advocate? An advocate is two things. He is a promoter and a defender of the one he advocates. He is a promoter and defender of the one he advocates. And the Holy Ghost has been advocating for the Father and for the Son and for his people from the beginning of time. I'm looking forward to getting to that. I'm so glad I got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 
And I'm glad I got an advocate in the spirit of God because he promotes and he defends all those that are his. And that's where we're going in our series. But today we want to back up and deal a little bit with agency and authorship, agency and authorship. Wherever you see God's uh, uh, lauded in the scripture, he's lauded as two things, creator and redeemer. God is creator of the universe and he makes no bones about that. I am God all by myself and there is none other. I don't know any other God but me. Now, when you're omniscient, that means there is no other God but you. He is the creator of the universe and he boasts in creating the universe. He boasts in keeping things together. But as I have stated to you, this truth is attributed to not only the father, but the son and to the Holy Ghost. They are the tri-personal God who creates all things. Let's begin to unpack that. In Psalm 33, it opens up saying, in thee, O Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, Do I put my trust? This is a a psalm by a believer. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. And then he says, bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedy. Be thou a strong rock for a house of defense, defense to save me. David is speaking to God as his savior. And what does David do as he speaks? uh, I'm sorry, I'm in Psalm 31. I should be in Psalm 33. That's good too. Psalm 33. (laughs) Rejoice in the Lord. I know y'all say, where is this brother at? Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. I'd love to stay there and let you know when you really know God, praise is natural to your soul. We have a real problem with men and women who don't know how to praise him and yet declare that they know him. When you actually know God and his saving mercy, the thing that should come up out of you naturally is praise and adoration for his glorious being. But here's what he does. He says, praise the Lord with harp, sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings. Don't you love David? David, David was a sweet psalmist and he loved lauding God in song. And then he says over in verse four, after he says in verse three, which we can all be admonished by, sing, sing skillfully, <laughs> play skillfully. All right, don't, don't, don't tear it up. And we're about to, we're about to understand why. Whatever you do for God has to have a right motive. And it has to be done with a level of excellence. And anything short of that is dishonoring the character of God. Play skillfully. Sing skillfully. Work skillfully. Whatever you do, you should do it with all your heart, with all your might. Get educated. Come come under mentorship. Get it right. God is worthy of the glory. Why? Because you are created in the Imago Dei. You are an image bearer of God's glory and God is best represented when you and I give him everything and ask him to help us to be all that we can be for his honor and glory. Am I making some sense? And so here's what he says now launching into what the spirit of God does in the scripture all the time. For the word of the Lord is right and all his works are done in truth. He says in verse five, he loves righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Would you agree with that? I do. I do. When you actually have come to know God in fellowship and communion with him, as bad as things are in our world, they're not that bad. When you got God on your side, when God's in your life, when he's your filter, when he's the prism through which you look at things, you know what I discovered? It could be a whole lot worse. Lord, I thank you that you show me the beauty of creation, the beauty 
of your providence is so important for you to get that. But that only comes when you walk with God because you and I are naturally pessimists. You do know that. I am the quintessential pessimist. You are too. You don't know a quintessential. And it takes grace to remove us from our pessimism to an optimism about what God is doing in the world. And so the psalmist tells us, as David would say, your earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Now you get the carping uh, atheists and the carping agnostics who look at all of the evil going on in the world and would want to deny that true. But just, just ask them, do you not see God's mercy in your own life? How you breathe in and out God's air and he ain't killed you yet? How he allows you to work and make provisions? And he has not impeded you. He's given you good health. You still have a good mind on your shoulder. Somewhat. You're a little crazy because you don't know God gave you your mind. But you still have a good mind on your, on your shoulders. He's given you grace to even do good. But you got to answer for that. God's been good to you atheists. He's been good to you agnostic as he's been good to you people of God. And God will prove in the day of judgment that no one will be able to say that God is not good. The Lord is good. He's good. Here it is. Let's go to work. Here it is. Verse six. Look at verse six with me. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Do you guys see that? I'll share with you that if your eyes are open to the reality of the glories of the triune God, you see the Trinity in that text. By the word, the second person of the Lord, the first person were the heavens made and by the breath, the third person where they gather together out of his mouth. Do you see it? You can mark it down because all three persons are always working to bring to pass their will. They are the triune collaborators. Where one is, the other two are. One may be more prominently featured, but you're never going to have the three separated. By the word, Jesus Christ of Yahweh God the Father, where the heavens made, and all of the host of them, by the breath, the ruah, spirit of his mouth. He is called the Holy Ghost. We de- the word declares that the spirit of God was a major agent in the creational process. Look at Genesis chapter one, verse one through three. Once again, let's affirm that we are now under our third point from last week. He is co-agent in creation, co-agent in the beginning. God, right? created the heavens and the earth. Here we have Elohim in our natural context and Elohim running through the text will be discovered to be the tri-personal God who says in verse 26, let us, not me, not I, let us make man in our own image. The triune God is already in verse one, but because of what we call the structure of the text in order to lay out covenant theology, God the father is always viewed as cardinal person one. Is that right? This is God the Father in the beginning creating the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, notice what it says. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And here we go. And the third person hovered over the waters. I'm getting ready to explain that. Do you see that? Now here comes the second person in verse 3. Here it is. And God said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And he was the one that created everything that is the word. And there was nothing that was created that he did not create. Do you see all three persons again? 
They are always working, always working. Going back to verse two, let me show you something as we move into what I call the agency of the third person in the creative work. Back in verse two, notice what it says. And the spirit of God moved. That Hebrew verb there means to hover over as an authority with a particular assignment to work in such a way as to bring to pass God's will in that particular object or upon that particular object that he is now hovering over. We will see this explicitly in your outline. Whenever you see the spirit of God present, his job is to produce order and or uh, uh, what we would call adorning of the thing that is made, order. So in the Genesis narrative, it lays out the idea that God created from nothing. We call it ex fiat. God spoke. That's what you heard in Psalm 33. God spoke and it came to pass. He commanded it and it stood still. God spoke and it came to pass. He commanded it and it stood still. That's a God that speaks things that don't exist into existence, right? But once he spoke it into existence, he moves into what we call the second stage of formation and order because God is not a God of chaos or confusion. And the work of the Holy Ghost is to take the mass of creation now and to organize it over a six-day period whereby it adorns the nature of the triune God. This gets back to the point of praising God because when God reveals himself to us, God reveals himself to, to us as a God that is beautiful. When he reveals himself to us, he reveals himself to us as a God that is beautiful. We don't know the true and the living God if we assume him to not, to not be beautiful. He is, a, he is a beautiful God. He is mysterious. He is transcendent. And his understanding is beyond our capacity to know unless he reveals himself to us. But please understand this. He is never the author of confusion. He does not create chaos. He is not operating in contradiction to his nature because he is love. So he orders all things, orders all things, orders all things. And in fact, that's what is meant in Psalm 33 verse 6, that the breath of the Almighty has brought it to pass. That word breath there is ruah. The translators use that in verse 6 when it says breathe, breathe. Do you guys see that? Breathe and by the breath of his mouth, he's being anthropomorphical now. Y'all see that? You know what an anthropomorphism? It's a man-like attribute. Now, God is spirit by nature. So that ontologically, we don't view God as a man. To do so is to limit God. But when God speaks in what we call the lisping language of you and I, he says he breathed. He breathed like you and I breathe, right? And the term here is as the word breath. Now, you and I have breath because we are what? Alive. The evidence that we are alive is we breathe. But sometimes we can confuse the notion of breathing with being spiritual or it having spiritual essence. Let me clarify that for you. Your breath is not your spirit. Please understand that. When you breathe out, don't say good morning, Holy Ghost, to your breath. (laughs) Got to help you. The breath is the air that is in our space that our lungs have beautifully learned how to breathe in in order that oxygen might go to our bloodstream and impact this circulatory system and this fabulous thing we call a body. When you die, your breath ceases. But you can't say that you are 
breathing spirit because a spirit can't be seen. It can't be felt. It can't be perceived by the physical senses. Y'all with me? So what we're saying is that the spirit of God gives us breath. That's Genesis 2, 7. But breath is not equivalent to spirit. Please get that. When you breathe in and out, the spirit of God ain't going in and out of your of your body. Neither is your spirit. Am I helping somebody? I'm just trying to give you a, a, a help on making sure that as you begin to study and comprehend the spirit of God, one of the things that God has to do for you and me when we're dealing with spiritual concepts or uh, or theological concepts that's beyond our reference point is he has to use analogies. So breath has always been a mystery to mankind because we have never, ever produced breath and we don't have the capacity to contain breath. A doctor in the house will tell you quickly he has never, ever produced breath and he has never, ever kept breath in somebody's body. Whenever it's time to go, you're going and your breath is leaving your body. It is part of the mystery of the work of the Spirit of God. The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our goal here on the broadcast is that you grow in your walk and relationship with Christ, that you find yourself useful in His hands to the glory of His kingdom. Questions and comments about the broadcast can be directed to our phone number or our website or by writing to us. You can write to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Also, take advantage of past messages delivered by Pastor Jesse and guest pastors. It's free for the download. Again, grace-bible.com. If you'd rather contact us by phone, maybe you have a question or comment about the broadcast. Maybe you'd like a CD copy of today's message. Call us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you enjoy the good old-fashioned way of getting in touch with folks, the U.S. Mail, our address is Way of Grace, 22768 Main Street. That's right here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. As you reach out to us for whatever reason, we would also ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially. If you have added financial resources at your discretion, we would ask you to consider joining us as we present the gospel on a daily basis here on Way of Grace. This is a listener-supported ministry, and as you link arms with us, it ensures that we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. Please consider that as you get a hold of us, and then join us again next time as our study in God's Word continues, that you might find yourself on His way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.